The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll on the home of the much anticipated Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you from Monterey, Mexico. Hey, listen, last night I accidentally took my cat's meds. Don't ask me how. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Thanks to Duff for always bringing the funny every Friday. Those jokes are the highlight of my week. Duff and GNR are back at it on the road, and so is Fozzie. We start back up tonight, Friday, November 4th, at the New Century Hall in Manchester in the United Kingdom. It is our biggest show ever in Manchester. Then we're following up with Birmingham, Nottingham, Dublin, Belfast, Swansea, Bournemouth, Bristol, Glasgow, and we wrap up this UK tour at the O2 Forum in London on November 14th with Escape the Fate and Scarlet Rebels. We are doing our legendary VIP meet and greets as well. Still tickets left for all shows and meet and greets. Just go to FozzyRock.com. This is going to be a rock and roll party. Do not miss it and do not miss the VIP meet and greet. We take pictures. We do a mini set for you just for you signing autographs. Come hang out with us. It is the rock and roll tour of the year. Perfect way to end out 2022 with Fozzy in the UK and Fozzie in Australia. We're going to be in Australia at the end of November, beginning of December with Buck Cherry. Go to FozzieRock.com for all information. And don't forget about Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, the Four Leaf Clover. Lineup on this ship is stacked. We are adding more names every week. Comedy, music, live podcasts, paranormal shows, and wrestling, of course. AW will be on the ship, and we're going to have the inaugural crowning of the very first Jericho Cruise Oceanic Champion. We're also going to our own private island for the first time ever, Great Stirrup K. Book your cabin now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. The Jericho Appreciation Society is going to be here, be there. Dan Housen is the guest host. Come on, guys. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com for all information. All right, today we're paying tribute to one of the biggest legends in pro wrestling history, and actually Japanese pop culture history, the great Antonio Inoki, a legend in the wrestling business, a member of the House of Counselors of the Japanese Parliament, and beloved icon to the people of Japan and elsewhere. Uh, Inoki passed away October 1st at the age of 79. Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter and journalist Fumi Saito, my old friend from Tokyo, are joining me today as we remember the life and legacy of Antonio Inoki. We talk about his start in wrestling, how he and Giant Baba started on the same day training with the great Ricky Dozan. We discuss Inoki and Baba's lifelong rivalry and how they both left JWA. Uh, Inoki started New Japan at that time and Baba started All Japan. 
we get into the how and whys of Inoki uh, creating the IWGP Championship, how that happened. The first ever IWGP Championship tournament that featured Inoki and Hogan, Hulk Hogan in the final match. Hulkster won that title that night. Most people remember that match for the crazy work that Inoki pulled in the ring. Uh, very strange. You'll hear the whole story about that. We talk about Inoki and Andre the Giant, Inoki's uh, mixed martial arts matches, Inoki and Ali, that was huge, and Inoki's political career. We get into Inoki's falling out with New Japan, how that happened, the embezzlement, the scandal, the night Inoki uh, tried to hypnotize me, uh, some stories that I love telling about Inoki, and the time I took one of his signature slaps to the face as well. So many great stories from the legendary Antonio Inoki. We pay tribute to him right here, right now, with Dave Meltzer and Fumi Saito. On Talk is Jericho, starting now. Well, um, let's just jump into it, because there's, there's lots to discuss, obviously, with uh, the death of Antonio Inoki. Is he the, the most influential wrestler of all time? Just to give you the, the easy question first. <laughs> Oh, well, in Japan, probably in modern day, you know, more so than Ricky Dozen now, everything he, he's done so well documented. Ricky Dozen's more like a post-war, like a cultural phenomenon that the, no, the, the today's people haven't seen it. You, we read about Ricky Dozen, but we pretty much experienced everything about Antonio Inoki in real time. Ever since I was a little kid. Like within your lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find whenever somebody, I remember when, when like, when Johnny Carson died, a very famous television host here in the States. 90 me. years old, right? 90, yeah. We're with Fumi Saito and Dave Meltzer, but like Johnny Carson had been on TV like almost every night of my entire life. And suddenly when he passes away, you're like, wow, like I lived this guy. And it's kind of the same with, with Anoki. Uh, and not just in Japan, but Dave, talk about Inoki's influence outside of Japan. You know, I mean, he was like a real cultural figure, and I didn't even realize how big in, like, Pakistan, you know, where where, where um, he had gone and toured there, and he had, had two famous matches in the 70s there, and the prime minister, you know, talked about him, and the, the best wrestler in the country, the best amateur wrestler in the country was going like, oh, yeah, you know, like, when I was growing up, I would watch Inoki workout tapes, and Inoki was my hero. The prime minister said that Inoki was his hero, too. You know, so and North Korea, you know, because of the Ricky Dozan is like the national hero of North Korea. And Inoki went over there as the protege of Ricky Dozan. And he, you know, and, and Fumi could speak more about this. But when Inoki was in the uh, Senate, the diet, you know, they told him, don't go to North Korea, you know, Japan and North Korea or enemies. And he no, would, no diplomacy. Right. And he would go anyway and he would ignore it. and He would get censured. I remember he got suspended. And, you know, pretty much from that, because he just refused to listen to uh what he was told right from the cabinet he just didn't care because because obviously there's one of the most famous shows in pro wrestling history in 95 was the enoki show in north korea with i, I don't even know what the real number was 150,000 people or 400,000 or whatever <laughs> 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 that was almost a million 1900,000 or something something <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean they said 190 but it, it's probably like 150 but it's still I mean, it's still the largest crowd ever yeah, in pro wrestling, yeah. yeah. And that was all done via Inoki and his, his his diplomatic mission, so to speak. Right, Inoki has gone there basically without passport, right? Really? Yeah, because there's no diplomacy. You can't use a Japanese passport, you know. You have to actually get to China and take train from there. It's like a very special train to actually go in there. Was he able to do that because he was Inoki? I suppose, yeah. Yeah. And there's a statue of, you know, the Ricky Dozen and, you know, postal stamps that uh, it's like, uh, well, actually, 
Ricky Dawson, you, know, you guys think, you know, he's from North Korea, right? Mm -hmm. But the, there was a war. Ricky Do when Ricky Dawson was born, that the, there was no North Korea, there was no South Korea. Just whole Korean peninsula was Japanese colony. Okay. Yeah, there was a war, yeah. And the, the whole Korean peninsula for 30-year period was Japanese colony. That's why that the real old people, like 80-year-old people from Korea, they all spoke Japanese. Ah, yeah, like you know, that's there was a war. There was, you see, there was a Pearl Harbor. There was the Hiroshima and Narasaki. Is all the way. Just there was a war. And then uh, Ricky Dawson didn't come to Japan with Korean passport or anything like that. He was a kid from you know the colony. Well, and that's my point about the influence that he had. This is not just a pro wrestler. This is a guy who influenced politics and and the way that culture is related with each other. He had that sort of overall influence you know in japan he was um you know he was more than a wrestler in japan way more you know i mean it's like we try to compare him to like hulk hogan and hulk hogan was a super famous wrestler in this country but i think that and fumi can speak better about this but i think that like in the 70s you know when Inoki wrestled like ollie and willie williams and and ruska and those matches that was like chuck much Webner. bigger that chuck Webner. that was like much bigger than pro wrestling that was something where like pretty much didn't like everyone just kind of like everyone was watching TV, you know, more than just the wrestling fans when Inoki did those mixed matches, right? Yeah. Also, when he did the mixed match, uh, uh, Inoki against Ali, the Inoki against Willie Williams, the Inoki against Chuck Weapons, it was on primetime special outside of your everyday one hour wrestling show. Yeah. You know, yeah. Special show, like 90 minute, you know, primetime mm. live live show like your boxing fight so you're like it's you're like a teenager during this yeah yeah i watched everything what was it like at school was it like something where the next day at school everybody oh did, yeah you know, like no a non-wrestling fans well you only see meet like a one or two wrestling fans in your homeroom right <laughs> right right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah you have your, we, all, we all have like one or two friends right you're such a nerd to be a wrestling fan <laughs> yeah but every kid pretty much watched inoki against boxers inoki against kickboxer or judoka or something like that now fumi why why was that why did every kid watch anoki versus the the, the shoot fighters so to speak uh, the the notion is that the whole concept is even in japan wrestling is so fake right mm -hmm. yeah but the, when inoki does this inoki against kickboxer inoki against judoka that's real <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. yeah so he carried them yeah he was successful you see when i was a kid giant baba is american wrestling show Whereas Antonio Inoki's wrestling, he's real. Mm. I mean, it's the same, right? But uh, <laughs> there was a concept. No, no, no. Inoki's real. Baba's not. Interesting. Yeah. So you're talking about all, all Japan had the vibe of, you know, uh, like an American wrestling type of a thing. Whereas New yeah, Japan. because you have the funks, you have the Abby, you have Hardy Race, the male maskers, the, the real superstar you read on magazines. Right. Whereas Inoki, whenever any American wrestler comes, Inoki beat him. <laughs> you know, if it's a Pedro Morales or, you know, you name it. But basically, if you remember, Channel 4 had Giant Baba and Abdul the Butcher all year long. And Channel 10, Inoki against Tiger Jeet Singh all year long. I mean, they're basically the same, actually. Right, right, same right. format. But Inoki was successful to make believe that, no, his, is, his shit is real. Baba isn't. <laughs> but I mean, when he, when they would do the martial arts matches, though, the people like that's what they were watching for with this idea. It was almost like if you remember, Chris, like the original UFCs where 
nobody knew anything about fighting, right? And it's right. just kind of like, well, who would win? When we were kids and they didn't have a UFC, right? It was like, well, right. who would win if you put a boxer against a kung fu guy or whatever? And so, a kickboxer, a kickboxer, yeah. or or, or a real boxer, or or, or or a real submission wrestler or whatever. And what Inoki did was kind of like for Japanese kids, it was kind of like answer that question, even though they were still doing pro wrestling matches. It was like the of aura of of like, oh, what would happen like if. If, uh, you know, Jack Briscoe or Billy Robinson fought against, you know, Muhammad Ali or something. When, when I was a yeah. kid, it was it was always like, you know, Bruce Lee, you know, those those <laughs> fantasy matches that kids <laughs> talked about. And but in Japan, even though they were still fantasy matches because they weren't real other than the Ali fight. It's like you got them on TV. We never got them. Those things were just our fantasy. The work shoot match against the other combat sports. They didn't look like wrestling match. Yeah, because they were so awkward. Right. Yeah, because kickboxer come in do his shit. You know that William Lusker and come in does judo. So it's like it's a work, but it doesn't look like your every week wrestling show. Mm-hmm. So it comes up pretty real. And also, it ha- had a lot to do with Korgach too. See, when Korgach, the deity, you know, comes like that's god of wrestling. That the, the Inoki school of wrestling is so real. Whereas Giant Pop is fun. That's that's great. You you love the funks, Dory Funk, Terry Funk. You know, that's really good good to watch. But at the same time, Inoki present a little bit more seriousness into it. Not that Baba wasn't. It's just the milk coffee and black coffee or something. But let me ask you this though. I mean, talking about like like Baba as a worker, for example, and Inoki as a worker. Like I've seen some great. Inoki matches. Inoki versus Vader is one that sure, always pops sure. in my head. And that was that was Inoki, gosh, in his forties at least, right? Fifties. Fifties. So now you're yeah. 53, yeah. Now you're getting into my territory where to have matches like that at, at this age is not the average thing. So Inoki, I'm assuming, and you guys can fill this in, was probably a pretty great worker all around. All around. Yeah, good shape. He had look of a great athlete. You know what sure I mean? Did. Like in, you know, even even in his fifties when you saw him, Chris, it was yeah. like he came out and he was like I used to we used to call him Dick Clark. You know what I mean? Because he just <laughs> forever young, right? Yeah. You know, until he got old. And that's why I think I think when when he was getting old in the last couple of years and I saw him and, and other people in Japan would see him every now and then when he'd be on TV, it's almost like it's such a shock yes. because because it was like, you know, we saw Inoki for so long and he was, it was one of those things like those guys where you think they're just never going to age. Yeah. They're always going to be, they're always going to be that superhero. And, and, you know, obviously everyone gets old at, at one point, but um, he had that great look and he had a, he had a unique seriousness. Cause I was, when he, when he passed away, I started watching some of his matches from the seventies and you could see like the reaction to the crowd. It's very, yeah, I mean, it's, also it was, if you remember the Vader match, it was after he was politician. See, yeah. After he became politician back in 1989, that the, he didn't retire. He came back probably once or twice a year and have his wrestling match. But every time he came, it was like a very special night that the Inoki is still wrestling. He only had like a one or two matches every year since right. like 1990. But right. every time he came over, he just got in shape. And one match, each and every match is very important. From that point on, right, and, and and they were almost all at like the domes too. Like he didn't wrestle on small shows. Yeah, he only did, yeah did the dome show. Yeah, yeah, during the the big dome era where they might do two or three a year. Inoki against Great Muta. Yeah. Inoki against Fujiwara. Inoki against Choshu. Inoki against Tenru. Yeah, these these are very important. You know, like once or twice a year thing. And yeah. he made sure he had very good match. 
So he, it's not like he was working every every week. Although he was on TV a lot, though. <laughs> you know? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, let's talk about this too because, once again, this is not going to be a, a career retrospective of Anoki because you, can, you can't do it in an hour. And Dave, as a journalist, uh, your piece on Anoki was excellent because you did cover everything and it took me like two hours to, to read the damn thing. To read it. <laughs> you, you know, what's funny is, it's like, I tried to cover as much as I could, but I could have done twice as much. Like, right. There were so many famous matches that he had that I didn't even mention because it's like, you got to make the cut somewhere, you know, because it's like the guy was in main events. I mean, from, I mean, the thing that I think really early sixties. Yeah. When he first became a star, he's 21, 22 years old. I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah. he started 17, you know, he was brought to Japan. So he debuted at 17, you know, and then by 21, 22, he's a main eventer. And then you're watching him until he's in his late fifties. Yeah. yeah. Mid, mid to <laughs> yeah. late fifties, pretty much constantly. I mean, there'd be periods where he would go, was gone and stuff, but even like when he came to the United States, he's, you know, and worked in like, Oregon and Texas and places like that, you know, Memphis, he was like 21, 22 years old, then went back and with like the famous ones, and maybe he did something more famous early, but the ones that I remember is his early famous stuff was the Johnny Valentine stuff when he, when he was 23, he's 23 years old yeah. and he's, he's his very first outlaw company. He was running Outlaw Company when he was 23 years old. Wow. Tokyo Pro Wrestling. Yeah, he was the first guy to go against the establishment company and then failed and he came back. And then, you know, even like with the Baba and Noki days, I mean, he's still like in his, his mid-20s during right. that period. And, you know, like the star of uh, NET, right? Like they would have... They would have two network shows. They would have the show on one night with Baba as the star, and then they would have the other Channel network. Channel 4. Right. The other network would have Inoki's match as like right. the main Channel event. 10, TV Asahi. Yeah, TV Asahi, yeah. Was there a, a legit rivalry between Baba and Inoki? Was there a heat between them? Because just, just for anybody listening that doesn't know, they started together as basically the protégés of Ricky Dozan. Same day. Same, same night, day. Yeah. Same day they started. Wow. In the same, in the same, on the same show. It's it's like I, I thought about like it's like it's like oh, wow. if Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson yeah. started on the exact same September day. September 30th, 1960, same day. Yeah. yeah. That that's never happened ever before or ever again, like you said. Yeah. But then again, Baba was always bigger star last first 10 years or so because he was a former baseball player famous Giants pitcher he was sent to America he was challenging Luthes, the Bruno Buddy Rogers yeah San Martino the Freddie Blass in LA that he always ran before younger Inoki when he Inoki came to America he didn't run this big territory LA maybe Oregon Kansas City a little bit Tennessee then, then a little bit of Hawaii. But Baba ran LA, the Madison Square Garden, Ohio, or Detroit with the Olympia, the bigger arenas. Baba was treated like a big rookie, and Inoki was treated like a Ricky Dawson protege, living in Ricky Dawson's home gotcha. you know, when he was 17, and washing Ricky Dawson's back. 
you know right right right, right. so so different way to develop you know then then uh, he wasn't sent to america until after ricky dozen was dead so when they break apart yeah what is the reason why is there a rivalry right from the start between bob and anoki where the, this place is too big for the both of us sort of thing that and uh inoki was going to change jwa from inside see the guy like uh, Yoshino Sato, the Kokichi Endo, the Yoshimura, the, those people were running the company. And Inoki looked into the bookkeeping. You know, it's, we are drawing so many people and a lot of big shows and the, the network money and everything. Why aren't we making money? You know, then he was going to change JW from inside. Then got kicked out. Oh. So as I, as I recall, the owners weren't the owners like using like the, the the wrestling money for their gambling or something like that, and that's where. Yeah, yeah, but we weren't there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a, we're talking about like 1971. You know, so uh, but they were run by Ricky Dawson's friends. You know, you know, wrestler promoter, old fashioned guys, like kind of like your Tennessee or something, right? Then yeah. uh, Inoki and Baba both, you know, becoming such a big star, national superstar, still under contract, just a wrestler, you know, that it's time for Baba or time for Inoki to actually run the company. And eventually Inoki got kicked out, start New Japan in 1972, spring, and Baba walked out of JWA and took the network with him. And therefore, you know, summer of 1972, Baba opens all, all Japan. So both Inoki and Baba started their own company, 1972. Then following year, JWA went down. Was there ever at one point a match between Baba and Inoki after 1972? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Not once. <laughs> yeah. There was a tag team. Yeah. But don't you think like if they had had a match in like 79, if somebody could have promoted it, it would have been like absolutely gigantic, right? Yeah. I don't know how to get out of it, though. Yeah, well, it'd have to be a draw, right? There's, the only, yeah. there's, there's no other finish. Uh, yeah, you know, Q wouldn't want to go at the 60-minute Broadway, and then probably Baba wants double count-out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you just said the difference between New Japan and All Japan yeah. in that one yeah. sentence right there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, and it's so interesting to me because it is so 70s wrestling uh, as far as who gets the wins? Uh, I'm going to pay you to go over on you. And then, then Baba was going to pay more to go over on you twice. Like talk about a little bit of the business behind the scenes of getting people to lose for them just to one up each other between the Baba and Inoki rivalry. Like the, the Billy Robinson one. Billy, yeah, that's a yeah, great one. Yeah, James. exactly. Yeah. Billy Robinson. Because when I was a kid, we talked in school. So Inoki and Billy Robinson had a 60 minute Broadway. You know, okay, two out of three months and you know, th two out of three, four match all, you know, all in the 70s, right? One fall each and went to 60 minutes. Such a great match. And it was such a classic match. Everybody remembered right. it. Yeah. And then seven months later, Inoki signs Billy Robinson's away. First thing he did, he beat him. <laughs> yeah, Bob, Baba. Yeah. Clean, clean. Yeah. Yeah. Baba comes in and like, you know, doubles his pay. It makes him like super high, like probably the highest paid guy in the business at the Probably. Time. You know, to, to get him because he just had that classic match with Anoki that went sixty. Yeah, and then six, yeah, and then six, six months later, Baba signed him away. Right, and two out of three, four match PWF 
Pacific Wrestling Federation Championship match. Baba beat Billy Robinson clean. I was shocked. First time, you know, like the whole thing is like, you know, the first time, wouldn't you put the new guy over to build for a rematch? I was like, no. no. The whole key was Baba <laughs> yeah. had to beat him first. And Billy never really did jobs after that. You know, he was only. That- no, no, probably against Billy, uh, that uh, Abdul the Butcher once. That's about it. Yeah, but not too much. And Jumbo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's about it, though. So, Fumi, when, when you're a kid in school and you find that Baba beat Billy Robinson, does that make you believe Baba is better than Inoki? I still believed in believed in Inoki because his his match was better. <laughs> and but uh, other kids said, but Baba beat him though. It's like, well, well, but the Baba is a bit better promoter, and he start getting <laughs> smart about it, right? <laughs> Oh, we did a lot because you know. Did you figure that out when you were a teenager? That like it was because Baba paid him so much and, and tried to one up Anoki, or did you? Or did it take years later before you kind of figured that one out? Well, there was like other times like Inoki against Chris Markov or something, and Baba <laughs> against Chris Markov, right? Inoki against Dusty Rose, Baba against Dusty Rose, or a little bit later on, Baba, uh, Baba against Baba, uh, Abdul the Butcher, Inoki against Abdul the Butcher, Baba against Tiger J. Singh, Inoki against Tiger J. Singh. We had to compare that way. Mm. Yeah. You know, it was better. Yeah. Baba was always five years older, you know, so Inoki looks like he was always in like a best shape. And Baba wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Baba just didn't have the physical build that Inoki had. Right, right. But he right. was a giant. He was Especially a giant. It always he was like a giant. He, he was a giant. It always looked like he swallowed a treasure chest. Like his <laughs> body was like that and his little legs and arms, right? <laughs> but when he wanted, Baba could have good match. You know, he, he can shock you a little bit because there's a, another one, Inoki against Stan Hansen, right? Mm-hmm. Series and series of matches. Then Baba signs Stan Hansen away from Inoki and use him for the next 20 years. But very first Baba against Stan Hansen match, surprisingly good match. Mm. Oh, yeah. That was a great match. You know what I'm saying? So it's like Baba can do it when he wanted to. So, uh, or maybe takes bigger, you know, size American guy to work his, you know, favorite style. Because Inoki against Abdul the Butcher was never that good. And Baba and Abdul the Butcher really complimented each Mm. other. I can't kind of think. But also, Abdullah was, was much older when he wrestled Inoki than when he wrestled Baba. Right, so Inoki, right, right. And he, he couldn't do New Japan. Yeah, like Abby couldn't do New Japan style. Right, right, yeah. So as a as a foreigner in Japan, you could make a lot of money by jumping back and forth. That seemed to happen quite often back in the late 70s, early 80s. Late 70s into early 80s, yep. Yeah, I mean, that's with, with Brody and Hanson and Abdullah and Tiger Jeet Singh. Those were like Dick Murdoch. Dick Murdoch. Chavo Guerrero classic. Yeah. 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 Th- those were the guys. And, you know, like the big rival, because Tiger Sheet Singh was like Anoki's biggest rival of the 70s. So, you know, when when they were really at war, you know, it's like those were the guys that the other company would go after. It was almost like it was it's weird because it's almost like it's a trade. Like, oh, we're trading Abdullah for, for Tiger. Yes. A lot of people thought it was work, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But then again, it was always like a network money behind it, though. Channel 4 money, Channel 10 money, TV Asahi money, Nippon TV money. So it's, a, it's more than a wrestling company money. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's talk about how Inoki ended up falling out with New Japan. Because when I first started going to New Japan in 97, Uh, 98, Inoki was around. To the point of, this is a great story, maybe you can fill this in, Fumi. Anoki was around a few times and he actually tried to hypnotize me. <laughs> ah, when he was in that? He was going through <laughs> this phase, and like I said, please fill in the story, where I, I remember I was with Yuji Nagata and Nagata said, when Anoki comes in here, he's going to try and hypnotize you. He said, it's a f***ing work. Just go with it. <laughs> and I said, go with it? Go with it. I go, okay, like, I don't know anything. I'm just so happy to be in New Japan because I worked for Tenru for years. And yeah. I always wanted to work for New Japan. And here's Anoki. It's like, you know. Were like, you a Liger then? Yeah, Liger. Super Liger? Yeah. No, super I was Liger only Super then? Liger one night. This was the following tours where I came just as Chris Okay, okay, okay. And Anoki comes in and he was talking to Nagata and did some kind of a thing where Nagata was like, oh, speaking Japanese. And then he said to me and whatever the he was doing and he goes like snap and i go (laughs) and he goes snap because like where am i where am i anoki san and 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 afterwards the god was like good good good." (laughs) oh god (laughs) what the hell just happened we're we're, we're pretending to be hypnotized by anoki he believes it's real but it's not real (laughs) do you remember anything about this fumi but it was like inoki being grandpa see nagata nagata's genesis you have to remember See, there's like Inoki generation and direct protege is like a Ricky Choshu Fujinami generation. Right, right, right. Then there's a three musketeer, like, you know, Muto and Shono and Hashimoto. Right. And Nag- Nagata and, you know, that those guys are like a grandchildren yeah. of Inoki. <laughs> so it's like, they never really mingled, you know, because Nagata, that the Kendo Kashi and all those guys were not around when Inoki was traveling with everybody. Sure. Yeah. So it was like, Yes, sir. You know, like a founder of a company. Yes, sir. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And also, Inoki was really into that the supernatural thing then. Right. He was, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. 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 Going through the phase of being a master hypnotist. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I guess Satoru Sayama's that way too. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Actually, Satoru Sayama is the only one who talks back to Inoki. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. Why? I have no idea. It's like a favorite son. Hmm. Yeah, see, Fujiwara, you know, carried Inoki's bag the longest. Yeah. All the way till his death, he was, yes, sir, yes, sir, you know, with Inoki. Mm. Satoru Sayama was the only one talking back to Inoki, like, very freely. Mm. Mm-hmm. So what led to, and you wrote about this in detail, Dave, but what led to Inoki's kind of um, falling out with New Japan? Well, I mean, like, you know, New Japan in the... 70s and and 80s and 90s was very very successful company one of the most successful in the world i mean i would say with most years you know after after 84 you know wwf was was number one but new japan was probably number two except for that brief period where wcw was super hot and then in the 70s you know new japan was you know in 80s new japan was probably as hot as any territory so they were successful but you know inoki had a certain mindset you know like we all grow up 
And, you know, I mean, you and you and me, Chris, I mean, we kind of have to fight this because we grew up with wrestling in a certain way. So right. we're always naturally going to revert to, oh, in our day. And then we got to, you know what I mean? It's like, you it's can't not think that way. Yeah. We can't think it's like this, the 80s anymore. I mean, we can learn from the 80s. We have experiences from it. But it's like if we start like watching a match and just go, oh, you know, it's like you shouldn't do this and you're moving too fast. It's like it's a different generation. We got to, you know, you had to learn to, you know what you know, but you also adapt to the current thing. So yes. your knowledge is great, but you can't go in there and do the exact match that you did as a kid because you're not a kid and it's just a different, it's a different world. So Inoki got over so big during those, during those martial arts matches. I mean, that's when he became, you know, more than a wrestler, like a national hero. So now you've got MMA and MMA is changing. Like here, MMA changed pro wrestling to a degree, but it didn't change it that much. I mean, you kind of incorporated some MMA moves in the match and maybe you couldn't, you know, people know what a real fight is. So you can kind of do little things in your match. Oh, Hey, they're doing a real fight because you're copying some MMA spots. You know, it's kind of like a, a thing you can do, but with, with Japan, it was like, you know, Inoki stuff and new Japan was built more than all Japan on like, this is a real fight. This is a real fight. And all of a sudden it's like, it's not a real fight. A real fight doesn't look anything like this. Yes. And they're seeing MMA. And so pro wrestling has to adapt to be what it, what new Japan later became, which is more entertainment, but super exciting. And Inoki kept wanting it to go, oh, but it doesn't look real enough. And he was trying to bring in the, the martial arts. Yeah. Cause Inoki was making, always making comment in my days. There was no distinguish between wrestling and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrestling was another martial art as opposed to wrestling was an entertainment form. As you have to go more to entertainment because you're not a real fight, you know, and, and people, if they want to see a real fight, you could go watch Pride in the stadium and it was really big. And pro wrestling needed to be, you know, what Tanahashi does. You know what I mean? Like that's, you know, it's not real, but it's super exciting and, you know, you get the audience in and you make superstars and all that. And Inoki kept wanting it to be what he was in the 70s where you would bring in. So Inoki would bring in all these MMA guys, you know what I mean, to to fight the pro wrestlers. And, and because them. they're real, he would always, he'd always have them go over. And the wrestling fans just didn't want to see this. And it was mm. just taking New Japan down. Yeah, because wrestling fans, and you know, by then had educated eyes, you know, because you've seen K-1, Pride and whatnot, you know, Hicks and Gracie against... UWFI Takada of all people, right? And uh, but Inoki told people that in my days there was no difference between my wrestling and that MMA thing, and just right. can't convince him. But then again, he's not in ring anymore. And after two thousand, he sided with MMA people. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He would, he would be he would go to the Pride show. Yeah, he was like executive producer of Pride or Inoki Bombaye or. And then, then it's like he he left wrestling behind. So that that led to him leaving New Japan because he didn't. Yeah, and then sold it. You know, sold New Japan. Yeah, yeah. New Japan was in bad shape because basically, like like Yuji Nagata, who probably should have been like the guy because he was so talented. Right, right. But he went in there and and Inoki booked him against Crow Cop and Fedor, and they would beat him. Yeah, in, in 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 two right. two day practice, you know. Yeah. You need six months to train, right? Why would he do that, knowing that you're leading the lamb to the slaughter, so to speak? Even after he sold the company, he that New Japan still had a Inoki's fingerprint here and then here. Mm -hmm. Inoki can take Nagata or Manabu Nakanishi or Kendo Kashin and somebody like that, like a real legit college wrestling champion background, bring him to MMA and have him fight him.
they of of course they lose because they haven't trained that way. Of course, way. yeah, 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 they yeah, haven't yeah, trained right, that right. way, and that really hurt Nagata as a draw. Didn't yeah, it? it did, and there comes dark age of professional wrestling. Yeah, because of because the timing of it, it was like Nagata. It was like his time. You know, right. he was really the best guy for the top spot, and now you've just watched him lose to these pride guys in one minute. Yeah. I mean, what can you, what can you do? And then they, they, they would bring in like Bob Sapp to be IWGP champion or Fujita or um, Yasuda because of MMA. Now, the one guy who benefited a little bit was Nakamura because Nakamura started. He was a really good college wrestler right. and he went to um, he went to uh, I think it was Pride, but it was one of those. Yeah. yeah. And also K1. Yeah. Yeah. So he. Yeah. Right. So he had some mixed matches and he did relatively well. And it's OK because he's 23 years old and he's new and just hanging. With, and also, he was rookie. He was a rookie. So him going in there and beating Alexei Ignashov, who was a, a kickboxer by taking him down over and over again because he's still, you know, college wrestler. Inoki and, and the, you know, it was like, oh, we finally got our our shooter who we can be believable in and so, overlapping yeah yeah nakamura got a big push and he got the iwgp title very very early which made him a star much quicker than say tanahashi right who was you know actually uh you know a little bit older and you know probably the better well the better pro wrestler at the time sure, of the sure. two but tanahashi like to inoki is like you know a working pro wrestler nakamura he went in there and he was shooting with the gracies you know and, and right. holding his own before losing so was there a little bit of a falling out too from a from the embezzlement issues as well dave was a, that element to what anoki was kind of doing with the company funds okay that's that's the 80s gotcha. so that 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 was that was a different era that was um that was another scandal so so this is like 81 to 83 the tiger mask ricky choshu fujinami era and i remember and fumi will remember this too it's like I thought New Japan was just it then, like sellout crowds every night and great heat. The, you know, Ricky Choshu Fujinami feud was so big. Um, I remember, you know, it was always, remember like every, every month there at Sumo Hall, you know, like not like a couple times a year. It's like every month at Sumo Hall, packed, packed yep. house, and always a double count out. It's great matches, but it always ends like a double count out. I'm going like, these matches are so great, but how many double count outs can I watch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was all all-star cast. Tiger oh, Mask yeah. against Duel Dynamite Kid, and Andre. Ricky, Andre, and big baby face Hulk Hogan, too. Right, right, right. So they're, they're booming. Business is booming in the early 80s. And then, you know, then they had, like, the basic uh, scandal with Anoki and, and uh, Tiger Mask, you know, quits over it. And Choshu and those guys end up in all Japan. And it kind of, like, started to fall apart. You know, I mean, they survived and they, you know, they... They ended up big again, but yeah, there was that. It was like they had this couple year period where it was so big, and it's like everything in wrestling. It, it's too good to be true, and it somehow it always screws up. You know what I mean? Doesn't last that long. Yeah. yeah. And what what exactly was the scandal, Dave? You know, he, he had a company in Brazil that can make uh, basically cow poop into energy. <laughs> you know, oh, okay. To resource. You know, like recycling, yeah, 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 recycling. Yeah. You know, like. A, it's going to solve the all the earth problems. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so he was he, he was funneling the, the wrestling profits into his money losing business in Brazil and then the wrestlers are kind of like man you know like you know you're a wrestler right mm -hmm. and you're out there and you're sell out every night high ticket prices right giant TV ratings and you know you're making good money but you're not making great right. money you know what I mean? It'd be like when you were in WCW, right? The real hot period, right? Where you were going in there and doing, you know, stadium shows and nitros were packed every night and house shows were packed every night. And let's say like Hogan's making, 
let's say like a half a million a year, which well, good money, but it's like, he should be making millions with these sure. houses. Right. And that's what was happening. There is these guys were making, I mean, they were making good money, but you know, they probably should have been making great money. And then all of a sudden they start like, how come we're not making great money? And then they realize all the profits are going to this other business. And it's kind of- what's ironic is though, that's exactly what Inoki did by back in 1970. Right, right. Yeah. Because, because it was the same thing where, where business with Bob and Inoki tag team was so big. together. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and they're making good money, but they're Something not making wrong great with this money. And, yeah. So he's going like, you know, what's, what's going on with all, you know, you know, you're kind of like, you know how you, when, when you were young, Chris, before, the age of guaranteed contracts and everything. And when you're right. working small cities and you're getting paid on the house and you kind of like, especially the generation before you where, where they would kind of like eye the house and look at the house and try to figure out what the house is and oh, the house must be $16,000. And then the promoter goes, it's $11,000. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 and that yeah. was like, a, that was like a regular thing in some territories. And, and so, you know, that was what kind of like happened with Anoki in the seventies and then against Anoki in the eighties, yeah, you know, where they would go like, we're, yeah, but Inoki was into those business until his death. There's a, another science project that the, you know that the burn all the garbage at once, you know, for the energy project. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to so- solve the world with these like hocus pocus ideas, right? Okay, no pollution in you know, all natural tofu bread, <laughs> yeah, like that. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's talk about some of his famous matches because you mentioned two matches that I want to discuss. You mentioned Andre and Hogan. And like you pointed out in your article, Dave, that, that Inoki's the only guy to beat them both via submission. There was a lot going on, especially the Hogan match. I remember seeing that, that people thought something went down, that there was some kind of a controversy. Uh, talk about the Hogan match and then we can talk. Oh, about- the first inaugural IWGP tournament final? Yes. The IWGP final where, 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 where the, the running... The running clothesline spot. He, yeah. he knocks takes yeah. big bump after, you know, and then he never gets up. Yeah. 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 Swallowed his tongue and everyone's panicking. Like, it's it's like, oh, my God. Like, what happened? Is he, is he yeah, going to die? Like that. And, yeah, but it was like, you know, yeah, yeah, he going, did that without yeah. telling anybody. That's that's how serious that was. Right. So he took a clothesline on the floor and sold it like he had swallowed his tongue, but didn't tell Off anybody. the apron. Off the apron, right, 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 and because, and I don't know, I've never talked to Hogan about this, but it's like he was not clued in. I can I see think. his face, like he just wins this tournament, and he should be like celebrating. And Hogan's out there, like he's got this look on his face, is like, oh my god, oh, yeah. just like kill the boss. <laughs> I mean, it was like this look on his face, and then like everyone on the floor, they're all panicking. And Sakaguchi got real mad up, you know, mad at him. Yeah, well, the media got really mad at him too because they all bought it, right? Because it's like this thing, and they. They covered it. And then like months later when it came out that it was a work, I mean, I know like media people were just like, you know, him, right? You know, it's Yeah, like- but then again, not everybody had the same answer. That's how mysterious Inoki is. See, referee was referee wasn't including. Sakaguchi was including. And that's his best friend or his business partner, essentially, right? Yeah. So, 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 right. so he really, you know, kind of lost 
trust in him. You know, well, they were friends, but the referee didn't know about it. Sakaguchi didn't know about it. Hawkong didn't know about it. Inoki just decided to lay there, right? Yeah, and and just Dead. act like he's, you know, yeah, my, could, he could die. You know, it's like like like, and people are. It goes off the air like that, and people are just like. Oh my God! Like, what's going on? It's like they, you know, they live did the television. Thing with like, yeah, yeah, li- live television. And yeah. so, regular newspaper covered it as if it wasn't a wrestling show, wasn't part of the show. Mister Inoki got an ambulance, was you know rushed to the hospital. Yeah, wrestling never get that kind of coverage, right? So Inoki won the situation. He, that's his, you know, on all on him. And it's also too. It's like he knew he was going to do the job, so he's going to make it to where losing doesn't even matter anymore. Right. We just hope that right, Inoki doesn't right. die, which is actually super smart. It's, it's Hogan and Warrior where Hogan loses the <laughs> title but puts on such a show that, if, oh, he, oh yeah, the, the other guy won? I thought Hogan won. You know, it's yeah, almost the yeah. same idea. Yeah, yeah, totally stole the spotlight. And yeah. Also, yeah. inaugural IWGP was so important. See, it was a three years in making. 1980, it started we are creating undisputed world heavyweight championship for once, for all, okay? See, NWA, you know, National Wrestling Alliance was so big in Japan. You know, Luthes, the Gene Kaniski, the Dory Funk, Harley Race, all came in, just NWA was above Japanese wrestling. See, 1969, Dory Funk Jr. came in as NWA world champion. Both Inoki and Baba challenge. They couldn't win. It's like, wow, NWA world champion must be above Japanese wrestling, right? Because mm-hmm. Baba couldn't beat him. Inoki couldn't beat him. And, and name NWA is such an establishment. That went to a, that all Japan's establishment. And eventually, Baba mm-hmm. beat Jack Briscoe, you know, to be NWA champion for one week. Then beat Harley Race a couple more times to be champion for one week or two. Inoki brought in Johnny Powers, NWF champion. They actually beat him and keep the title in Japan. Just like a Bob Beckham thing. He won WWF title in Japan, never lost it, right? That was that was a real controversial thing, too. Oh, God, yeah. Because winning a title and never returned it, and kind of returned it. And uh, mm. that's why Vince McMahon always thought, you know, Inoki double-crossed his father. Yeah, they removed it from the record books. The Inoki Championship win. Sometimes they acknowledge it, but usually they don't. And um, yeah, it was it was it was a one week title thing. So Inoki beats Backlund the first time, and you know Inoki and Backlund had a really cool vibe yeah, with each other. Yeah, it was a good match. Both like looked real athletic and and, and yeah. really good matches with each other. So then the rematch comes, and in the rematch, you know, Backlund gets seen running and destroy the match. Yeah. And Bob Backlund gives atomic drop and pins Inoki, and one referee say. No, no, it's no contest, no contest. The other referee said, no, background won, right? It's a big controversy. Yeah. And Inoki said, I don't want the title this way. Relinquish it. Never lost it. He never lost to Backland in the rematch. Right, yeah. right. That, that was interesting. And also, it was announced next month in Madison Square Garden, Inoki and Backland will fight again. That never took place. When Japanese press, all the photographers and magazine and Tokyo Sports all went to Madison Square Garden, Vince McMahon Sr. had a press conference. Mr. Backlund will be having a match against Bobby Duncan. Mr. Inoki will be defending his WWF martial arts title against Iron Sheik. That's it. Yeah. And all the press, yeah, all the press thought Inoki and Bob Beckham was going to have another match, rematch at the Madison Square Garden. <laughs> never, t- 
Very creative, though. I love this. Because in Japan, they were, they announced it, but but in the United States, none of this is ever acknowledged in the United States. Right. And also, Bob Backlund, Bobby Duncan match that night was Texas Deathmatch. Right. Mm. It was promoted every week on, on WWF television. It's like matches regarding Bob Backlund against Bobby Duncan, even when Inoki was champion. The news traveled slow and Japanese fans didn't know about it. Japanese right, fans thought know. Bob Backlund and Inoki was going to have a rematch at the Madison Square Garden. And sure enough, though, right. it was Texas Deathmatch, right? Yeah. Backlund came into ring without the belt. Right, 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 because it was on Japanese right. television. And then Japanese television, they announced Bob Backlund came into belt, you know, into the ring without belt because title's vacant. Right, and Howard, they never announced in the building the title was vacant. But see, they, ha- they had to do this dual thing because the show's on TV in Japan, but it's also for the, the, the fans in Madison Square Garden. So... Howard Finkel does not announce Bob Backlund as champion. Texas Death Match. Return Texas Death Match. Right, right. So he, he, there's no announcement. Bob's not wearing the belt. The belt is brought in extra so the Japanese can go in there and say the belt is vacant and not, neither guy's And vacant. they were so careful about it. Hisashi yeah. Shimmer in the ring holding this brand new belt. But in, in New York, they don't, you know, the fans just thought, oh, it's a championship match. And I don't even think that they even noticed that little sleight of hand that Howard Finkel doesn't announce him as champion. It was just in this corner, Bob. Back. You're not supposed to notice any of that. Right, right, right. So it was so subtle. Like, I remember watching it and noticing it. But um, but no, you could see from the crowd, like, nobody even. It was just another, another Bob Backlund title match. Bob Backlund against Bobby Duncan match. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but they did it so creative. See, Baba would return the title five days later, right? And Inoki wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was his way. Anyhow, that the NWA was, you know, back to the NWA thing, it was so established. That's how Inoki came up with IWGP idea. Relinquish every single title. Inoki returns NWF title. Sakaguchi come in and returns his North American heavyweight title. Tiger Jitsin come in and return his Asian belt. Abdul the Butcher come in and return his, is there such thing, a Caribbean belt? Stan Hansen gives mm. up his cowboy hat and all these things. No titles, no titles. <laughs> then creates IWGP. Then in three years in making, right? Then very final of IWGP inaugural tournament final, Inoki against Hulk Hogan. Gotcha. But if Inoki wins, though, that's like a the end in the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, th- yeah, I think losing made more drama and like a creative drama. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, of course, the ba- the babyface always has to chase. That's 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 pro wrestling one hundred and one. Yeah, and then made Hulk Hogan even bigger star in Japan. He was IWGP very first champion before he was WWF champion. Right, you're six months before. Yeah. Yeah, six months before. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's talk about Andre. And obviously, Andre was a guy that was not going to do anything he didn't want to do. And to submit to Inoki, 
what's the story behind that right it was never pinned but the arm bar right yeah big arm bar thing yeah, yeah the arm bar i mean how was how enoki able just by paying him a lot or did andre obviously had to respect enoki for that well you know it was just, it was andre's last tour with new japan too right right you know like he'd been there since the 74 74 ish right so he's coming there and making big money for years and years and years yeah like he was spending 15 weeks out of the year in japan it's like a four months out of the year every year for 10 year period right and and ma- you know making his biggest money and then you know they would always do count outs and things like that and and Inoki and andre was always this giant rivalry yeah i thought andre was pretty good then yeah andre was a great worker too absolutely the young andre the, the young andre was great uh, young andre was like a big you know curly hair yeah. suplexing yeah. each other and uh yeah. all these big spots that the uh, short arm scissors key lock andre picks him up and suplex him and just all these creative moves yeah good stuff great stuff did you ever see the match in brazil that they had ah uh, the only on tape but yes nwf title match yeah yeah, the tape match from brazil because it's like i remember i remember watching that that match from brazil and it's like so they're going to a different audience and they just went out there to do like this very serious looking match and i was amazed at just how athletic and how andre was you know how good how good andre really was in, in that period this is like uh mm-hmm, mid 70s mm-hmm. But at this point, you know, Andre's getting older and it was getting pretty clear that like the new Japan style is getting faster and faster and faster and very physical. And and all Japan was really better made for Andre at later in his career. And and you know, because he could work with Baba in the six man tags um as a tag. And team. also baby like face his- too. See, Andre was yeah, big right. heel with New Japan. But when he switched to all yeah. Japan and tagged with Jan Baba, total babyface. Yeah. But it's just sort of like that thing on like the middle of the card. You see Baba and Andre together. Real happy. It's not the serious main event. And they just do this comedy match. But you get to see these two giants and everything. So Andre's latter part of his career, and he couldn't do much physically by this point. But all he had to do is go in the ring, maybe, you know, hold hold the ropes and stick his foot up and, you know, um, rush your career. Or sit on the guy. Sit on the guy, right. And just do the comedy stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, we, I've done a whole show about this one, and we don't have to get super deep into it, but you can't not talk about Inoki without mentioning Inoki versus Ali. And I wanted to point out, too, like, so when you're talking 1976, when this happened, I bought a comic book around that time frame that was Inoki versus Superman. <laughs> so in yeah. the States, Inoki was perceived to be tough enough that he could beat up Superman. Wow. Yeah, what kind of professional wrestler were going to? The ring against Muhammad Ali in 1976. That's so just to get in there with the perception from America that Ali was the toughest man in the world. What was the perception of Ali in Japan? Was it the same? Oh, of course. He was the greatest, greatest of all time. And it was also two years after this Muhammad Ali against George Foreman. Right. Super huge comeback. And Muhammad Ali came into Japan and defended his title a couple of times. You know, he had his super fight in Japan. So he was really big in Japan, too. I mean, as a boxer and as a star. Yeah. And uh, it was like also there was a series of comic book also in Japan at the same time that the in- Inoki's comic book that the, he's challenging to all the world martial arts greatest thing. And uh, <laughs> Muhammad Ali plays thing take, take place. And people didn't think it was going to happen and made it happen, you know. 
So he was big. What was the perception in the States, Dave, of this match? Did people really know who Inoki was or was was it ever promoted? Not really. They, You know, I mean, like it was very successful in the Northeast because of Bruno and Stan Hansen. But it was it was everyone knew of it. Like if, if you were a sports fan in the 70s, you would know Antonio Inoki's name as. And it's funny because like, you know, it's like some people would say, oh, that Japanese pro wrestler. But a lot of people would say the Japanese karate guy. They just knew him as this Japanese guy who was, you know, pushed more because of wrestling's stigma. I think they tried to push it more like this martial arts guy. Martial arts guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, martial arts champion and, they, and, and, you know, facing Ali and people didn't know what to make of it because there's some, you know, some of the sports writers thought it was going to be a work and, and originally it was going to be. And other people thought that it, you know, it's too much, so much money. And, but it was a, it was an intriguing thing because it was that, that thing that we were, like again, I'm I'm like 16 years old, so I'm going through like from the age of 12 to the age of 16, you know, where where you're talking to your friends on, you know, who would win between Muhammad Ali and Bruce Lee, right? And well, we got this guy who's, you know, Bruce Lee's little. I mean, this guy's like the same size as Ali, right? He's six two and 230 pounds, and and you know, and then like what would happen with Antonio and I mean with um Ali against like a wrestler, you know, like because we were all big on wrestlers, because if you're a wrestling fan, you're taught. The wrestler will take him down and submit him, you know. Um, right, but right. not against Muhammad Ali. <laughs> but then, then it was the whole thing of like, but Muhammad Ali's so quick, you know. And and like we know, like today, like if if you took, you know, the best boxer in the world and you put right. him against an, an all around martial arts guy, the martial arts guy, as long as he avoided getting hit right away, he's going to get him down and he's going to choke sure. him out or armbar. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. back then, nobody knew anything, and so we're thinking like. You know, like people are thinking like you're going to see this this thing where Ollie's doing the boxing and this guy's going to be doing high kicks and Bruce Lee movie stuff. So people were kind of like <laughs> none of those. Yeah, they were expecting this wild, crazy fight. And then they got what they got and they didn't understand leg kicks at all. Why Inoki was laying on the mat? The entire time. And nobody knew right. nobody knew that the rules were basically, you know, it's almost like Inoki's got to fight him with a straight jacket on. You know, it was the only way to get the match in the ring. Right. And right. so so the match itself was viewed as like just absolutely can't wrestle, can't grapple, you know, can't touch him, right? Yeah. The rule wasn't announced. And also what was interesting was that it was uh before pay-per-view, before internet streaming. It was yeah. your closed circuit. Closed circuit. Closed circuit and also like a satellite television, like Olympic. It was Saturday morning, 11 o'clock in Tokyo to yeah. make it Friday night prime time in, in New York. Yeah. So back then in the early 70s, we had to go to school on Saturday morning for half a day for short, you know, short program. I mean, short school in the classes. Yeah. All the kids talk about, you know, we got to go home and watch Ali and Inoki. Yeah, we all ran. You know, we ran home, you know, because 11 o'clock in the morning is the craziest time. Saturday morning, 11 o'clock. I, I didn't learn it until much later. To make New York City prime time on Friday night, it has to be Saturday morning in Japan. So it was an American show. Yeah. So, so I mean, I remember there, like, because, again, the people didn't understand what was going on. And people were like, like I was watching it in San Jose and people were like throwing chairs and they were just furious because they thought they were going to see this, you know, yeah, real fight, life, real life Bruce Lee movie. You know what I mean? And involving Muhammad Ali, no less. And then they saw this thing where Ali didn't throw any punches and, and Oki's on the ground, you know, kicking yeah. him and they didn't under, they didn't understand it at all. You know, I mean, I didn't really understand it, but then I will say the English announcers did a really good job because they kept saying 
you know, Inoki's wearing out his leg. Inoki's wearing out his leg. Now Inoki's going to try to finish him. And then it's like, okay, you're about 12 rounds. Okay, now he's, he's working on this leg for all this time. He's going to take him down and finish him. I kept thinking this, right? Yeah. And then 15 rounds are up. And it's like, well, what happened? You know, I didn't, we because did, we didn't know the rules. We thought it was kind of like anything goes fight. Nope, nope. You couldn't touch him. You couldn't, you know, wrestle him. No grappling, yeah, yeah. no touching. No, and no, no, you know. Like no the, karate the, and, chop, nothing. No karate chop, like like you would do it in a real fight, but who knew, right? Ali mm, sides. Right, 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 right. They saw, they saw like the Japanese guys. You know, Chris, when you were younger, you see, you watch on Wide World of Sports or some sports show and you see like a uh, karate guy chopping through all these bricks or something. Sure. And they're going like, so Ali's people are going like, Oh my, you know, we can't let him chop this guy in the head. So, so they banned, like they banned karate chops. They banned suplexes because, you know, they saw Inoki do suplexes to Willem Ruska. We can't let this happen. Right. And also his, yeah, like a paid spa two nights before. It's like, don't let him do that. You know? Right. So like they're, they're just trying to ban, ban these things that would hurt Ali, not realizing that he and doing this overhead karate chop to the top of his head and splitting out his head open. That's not, that doesn't happen in real life. But like you said, the 70s was different because as soon as you said Bruce Lee, they're just thinking, oh, anybody from Japan, China, Vietnam, Laos, whatever, Guam <laughs> is going to be some kind of like karate. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're all ninja experts, right? Right. That's, that's, and, that's not true. But people thought that. And, and I remember the first time Big Titan went to Japan, I said, what was it like? He goes, it was really a lot like the States. Like, I was expecting ninjas to be everywhere. And they, <laughs> we didn't know. And, and and so how were they able to put together this match with no finish in mind? It seems like Inoki's guys said, okay, and Ali's guys said, okay. And it's like, well, now we got to figure out what the hell we're going to do here. Inoki was going to win, and then Ali went there. And, and, you know, and Ali was just kind of like, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I'm letting boxing down if I lose. So now all of a sudden, it's like, I can't, I can't lose this. And the thing is, is the weird one is, is so... They're both preparing for this scripted match, so to speak. Yeah. Right. And are these, are these people asked New Japan Company, when are we going to rehearse? And New Japan said, there is no rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, uh-uh, right? Last thing about that. Was it a financial success in Japan or in, in America? Disaster, Disaster. probably. Yeah. I, I think so. Because, you know, that the Ali jokes, you know, remember like a, back in the same, around the same time period, Six million, six million dollar man, right? Yes. Yeah. The TV show. So you know, yeah, yeah, Ali yeah. asked for six million dollar for joke, but it was written. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Inoki's people had to pay him six million dollar, and Inoki had TV Asahi cover it. Therefore, to pay back TV Asahi that amount of money, not with wrestling, therefore he created the whole series of martial arts matches for the next. Two year, three year period, mm. you know, Inoki against Ruska, Inoki against Kim Crocade, Inoki against Monster Man, Inoki against you know, 13 <laughs> yeah. martial arts matches, primetime special, payback, payback, payback. And he paid back with 13 martial arts matches in three year period. So, so like Ali did sue because that actually became news, I don't know, a year later. So, mm -hmm. so Ali did get like, I think it was like 2.1 million, but right, six instead million, of six. Yeah. Instead of six, but the six million at the time, the biggest boxing purse of all time was Ali. The first Ali Frazier fight, I don't know if they, you know, because I was a little kid, I think they both got maybe 2.5 million or might have been more, but but that was like the biggest purse ever. Sure, but sure. then Ali got five million for the Foreman fight. So five million was the biggest 
in history. So then that was the other thing about the Anoki fight is it was 6 million. So it was going to be the biggest purse ever. So people sort of understood why would Ali do? And it's like, well, he's going to make more money in this in theory than he ever made even fighting Joe Frazier and George Foreman, which were these giant matches. So the 6 million itself was like a drawing card at the time. But in the end, you know, Inoki wasn't famous enough. And even though Ali was, people just didn't really, I don't know. It was not a big success on closed circuit probably because people didn't really know what to make of it. In in Japan, it was obviously everybody watched it, giant TV ratings and everything like that. Yeah, in, in, in New York, you know, there were a group of people who wanted to change the card into Bruno against Ali. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know. Bruno, um, there's a tape that, that, that Bill Apter has of Bruno. It's fascinating. Of Bruno oh. watching, watching Ali Angry. and Noki with Bill Apter. You know, they're sitting there mm. watching together. And Bruno was just, Furious! Oh, furious! He's furious at the match. Yeah, oh, because, and because, the whole because thing. Ali, Ali won't stand up and fight. But Bruno, I mean, Bruno would, would t- told me like he wanted the match with Ali for years, and he would always push Vince. We could do it, and Vince could never raise the money. Basically, you know, because you needed six million dollars in New Japan because right. of TV. Saw he was able to raise the money, but Bruno wanted it bad because Bruno actually did not like him. They had been at some banquets together, and somehow Ali, you know, Bruno's a nice guy. I don't. I, he must have done something because Bruno's not going to, you know, Bruno loved all the, all the old boxers. Bruno loved all of them. Jake LaMotta and, you know, um, um, you know, just whatever the, bo- the famous boxers from, um, you know, Marciano from Bruno's era. He loved those guys, but he didn't like Ali at all. He would always be very bitter about him because of something that happened at a banquet and he really wanted it. And he was bitter that he never got it. And, you know, when, when, when Inoki died, I started thinking about all those conversations I had with Bruno about it. And, you know, it's like if Bruno would have fought him, like, and Bruno wanted it in a real match, thinking like a wrestler will win. And it's like, that would have been the most fascinating thing because either if they could have actually got that match, either Bruno like does beat him by taking him down, mm-hmm. in which case Bruno becomes, can you imagine how big in the United States it would be if Bruno San Martino beat Inoki and huh, how right. big it would be for pro wrestling that a pro wrestler beat Ali. Ali. Mm-hmm. Or let's say, you know, Bruno's 40 at this point and Ali is quick. Let's say Ali got some punches in early and knocked him out. It's like it would have killed the whole Northeast wrestling business. Right. It was oh, yeah, it yeah. was like talk about like the like Vince and them if they could do it. It would be the biggest gamble in the history of pro wrestling. Because either way, if Ali wins or loses, he's still world heavyweight boxing champion. He's still gonna be they'll just say I ah, doesn't know how to wrestle. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. But Same. but Bruno, if he had gotten knocked out, it would have killed Bruno. As we start to wind down here, let's talk about a few of kind of uh Inoki's famous, you know, trademarks. And one of them is slapping people in the face. That was another thing that that we were exposed to when I first started working in New Japan. Did you get one too? Face. I got slapped in the face. Yeah, and I was that's like, a, "That's an energy energy thing." Like, Norm was like, "He's going to want to slap you in the face. I wouldn't let him do it. He's not slapping me in the face." <laughs> and I was like, ah, "Okay, slap me in the face." And it was like, "Oh, oh the so, whole so, group of people lined up. Everybody for just right. li- like slap, slap, slap." It's like, "Jeez, oh, that's the energy." Come from Inoki. Yeah. I remember watching on TV, they would have like fans, like hundreds, right? Of fans, like lined up and Inoki slap, slap. And he's doing it. He's doing it for so long. And by the end, you know, by like the 400th person, like his shoulders hurting. And like his (laughs) shoulders, like he's not even getting much into the slap after a while, you know, but it was just like he would just keep slapping everyone and they would just smile. I think he's like uh, almost like a, like a religious, you know, figure. Like a guru. Yeah, guru. Yeah. Yeah, like a Maharishi, you'd say in India, yeah, a shaman. Yeah. Shaman, yeah. 
Yeah, so he's getting more and more that way because he's no longer a wrestler. Yeah. It's just the in- Inoki image. So the idea would be when he slaps you, you get some of that Inoki energy. Power, yeah, yeah, energy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fighting yeah, spirit. Course. Fighting spirit. Fighting spirit. Because they, they, they would get it when, when they would do like Fujita or some of those guys would do their mixed martial arts fights and they'd be in the corner and Inoki would slap him before the fight, you know, and it would be like, you know, which they do mm. in boxing and in MMA too, but, but Inoki sure. would do that. You know, it's a lot bigger when it's Antonio Inoki slapping you than some unnamed trainer slapping you, right? Sure. Yeah, so, yeah. so it was like focused on on TV. Everyone's watching this. And, you know, here's Inoki, the retired wrestler, and he's slapping Fujita or, or Kendo Kashin or whatever in the face as they go out there. I guess he was not really like a t- retired wrestler. He's Antonio Inoki. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What about the uh, Ichi Da? Oh, Ichi Sanda. Yeah. Yeah, Ichi Sanda. Yeah. didn't start until he was like, much much later on he wasn't really doing it in prime time like when he won but he really became trademark and that, what does that mean what is the da what does that represent uh i guess just like i won or you know because he would say it after his match and everybody would say it after yeah him. so no yeah. When, when did when did that start because i know that 1990 okay because i remember going there Ichi Nissan died like the whole crowd is doing the whole thing with him yeah but yeah. but i don't remember that in the 70s at all no no he actually was doing it in his prime time but it wasn't like ritual Ichi Nissan da it, it didn't start until he became politician. Okay. It became like his trademark. But when he would win, he would still do the, the that thing. Yeah. Yeah. After, yeah. Like, that was like his, his celebration thing. I do remember yeah, that. Like a, yeah. You win the match with German suplex. He gets up and he was doing yeah. that. Yeah. For a long time. Last few things. When we talk about Inoki, and we mentioned this at the very beginning of this show, his, his cultural influence. How would he rate, you know, now that he's passed away and for Inoki, a hundred years, will they still be talking about Anoki like as if he was a prime minister or a president, or will he just be a pro wrestler? Like, what kind of is his cultural influence in, in Japan? More than pro wrestler, definitely, definitely more than pro wrestler. And also, he was around so long that he influenced so many generations after generation of TV audience or manhood, you know, like how to be a man, how to be like Antonio Inoki. I'm just, it's strange, but yeah, he's like a hero. Chris, you know, like they, they, they had Antonio Inoki condoms. I was going to talk about that. <laughs> Antonio Inoki condoms, which once again is passing the fighting spirit of Inoki through your sperm. <laughs> and I'm not so proud of that one. <laughs> yeah, but then see, as a business, you know, I think Inoki March will be selling forever. You know, still, I mean, even after his this, not just wrestling T-shirt and other things, but sure. I mean, everything you can think of, coffee mug to, yeah, I don't know, carton or you know, like a furniture or a restaurant menu, or he'll have Inoki thing pretty much forever. Okay, you know, one thing I want to ask you because because again, like the previous generation, obviously, you know, Ricky Dozen was a national hero, but here we are. You know, Ricky Dozan died 59 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, how well, because Anoki would be the next generation Ricky Dozan. Sure. Like, do kids know who Ricky Dozan is? Is it sort of this fame faded thing? Like, maybe I would know who Eisenhower from the same generation. Do you even remember Ricky Dozan? You got to be 70 years old. Right, you know? right. Yeah. But, yeah. So, I mean, is, is, is it sort of like a, a, a guy who they know the name, but there's no there's no emotional attachment, whereas, like, to people in Japan, right, there's a right. great emotional attachment to Inoki because they saw him in his prime. Yeah, that too, and also he grew with technology. You know, the color... Ricky Dozen was black and white TV. The beginning of wrestling was the beginning of TV in this country, in Japan. Baba Inoki era, TV became color, right? 
Then Inoki right. was on closed circuit. He was on pay-per-view. He was on VHS video. Now live streaming. Oh, Inoki until his death, he had YouTube channel. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. You right, know, right. so he I think he evolved with time. And also he did nobody else does. See, North Korea is not very well liked, right? Just sure. mysterious country that throws missile or the having like a nuclear power or all these right, things, right, right, you right, know. Right. So Inoki was the only one trying to be friends with them. And uh yeah, so I guess he was trying to be or not just trying, but Inoki was Jeff, you know, very different. And he is not wrestling superstar, only he's Antonio Inoki. And also too, David, you pointed out just the the list of, of opponents that he had, the list of, of stadiums and countries that he sold out. I mean, that, that goes, like I mentioned to you, like besides, like I might have a, 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 not as half as impressive, but from a guy that had been in every country for so many years, just reading that list was like everybody, everybody, every big name. It was funny because when I'm looking through it and I'm going like, who? it's like, there's like, like a hundred guys that he wrestled that were like every hall of famer. Right. And then there's yeah. like, you know, a few guys because of political or whatever, you know, like he wasn't, you know, like, like he, like he never wrestled like Jerry Lawler because they just okay. were never in the same place. And he never wrestled the road warriors, but that's pretty much like almost everybody else at some point or another, he crossed paths with because, um, you know, either in the United States or Japanese or America. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and European too. Like yeah. he took on, you know, like a lot of the European legends and, and, and not just that, but I mean, it's like the boxers and the, the Olympic wrestlers. Like the thing was so impressive is, is he would, I'm, I'm sure he fought more or wrestled more Olympic guys than anyone who ever lived. He had to have because Probably. we look at the list. Yeah. Yeah. yeah There's yeah, yeah, so yeah. many of them. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing list because the list is, yeah, it's like, you know, all of the big Billy Robinson and Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan wrestling stars, right? But it's also Muhammad Ali and Chuck Wepner and Dietrich, who like, if you're an amateur wrestling guy, like <laughs> Dietrich was like, yeah. you know, multi-time Olympic medalist or Carl Mildenberg who fought Ali and was the year, you know, when I was a little kid, he's the European boxing champion. So you, when boxing was much, much bigger, like now, who would know who the European boxing champion is? But back then when there's so few titles and boxings so much bigger, it's like, oh man, he fought him too. You know, I would look at that list and go, fought him too? You know, it's like, it was really an amazing list of, of people from different walks of life. Oh, Mike Dayton, who was like this, you know, Mr. America strongman guy who was on TV in the seventies in the United States all the time. He fought him too. Oh my God. Uh, you know, Mike but, Dayton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Left hook Dayton. Yeah. Left hook Dayton. Yeah. 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 Well, last question for you guys. What is your favorite Inoki match? Oh, that's so hard. Well, while you're thinking, I'll, I'll give you mine. I have two for first off. I really liked Inoki versus Regal. It's it's not a classic oh. match, but just the fact they had that. on Yeah. WCW. Yeah. 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 And Regal was like, he asked me to do it. Uh, Noki wants to have a match, and he chose Regal, handpicked mm-hmm, him, mm-hmm. and they basically just called it all in the ring. And, just, and Regal was so so good at that. You know what I mean? That's a great kind of unseen match. But my all time favorite Inoki match, not the best, but I just love it. Is Antonio Inoki versus the Great Antonio? Oh my oh. god! <laughs> Look at the reaction you guys give. Oh, my God. Everybody needs to go on YouTube and find this match. Oh, God. This big, fat dude who will not sell for Inoki. And finally, Inoki loses it and just kicks the shit out of him. (laughs) Right. It's so great. Great Antonio had his own story in Japan. He was 
Ricky Dozen's favorite star, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, Great Antonio came to Japan like in 1963 and pulled the bus. It pulled the bus. So in those days with Ricky Dozan, they would have like the, the, the foreigners would come in. They would they would have unique gimmicks, you know what I mean? Because it's the it's the it's the uh, you know whatever it's primitive times. It's like Freddie yeah. Blassie came in and filed his teeth. People are like, oh my god, this guy's filing his teeth. He's a vampire. He's a vampire. Yeah, right. And so Antonio, Great pulled, Antonio pulled, pulled the this bus. giant bus, and it's like, oh my god, he pulled a bus, and he's going to go and fight Ricky Dozan. And so it became, you know, like he was, <laughs> yeah. Antonio was very famous, but he was past his prime when he fought Inoki. Oh god, yeah. But 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 we're watching this, and I I mean I remember the match, and it's like why is he like not selling? This guy's the boss, right? Yes. It's like what got in this guy's head? And then Inoki he's mocking just, him too. Yeah, he's yeah. not just not selling; he's mocking him. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's yeah. A, Bill Burr, the comedian, does a great voiceover uh, of the match, which uh, is worth okay, watching. It's okay. very very funny. So for you guys, how about you, Fumi? Would you have a favorite Inoki match? Inoki against Korogat single match. Oh wow! For the first one, uh, the second one, I was fifth grade and went over there. And the same, I mean, no TV. I had to go there. Mm-hmm. So what year was that? Uh, I was fifth grade, 70, 72. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, wow! Yeah. Right at the start of, of the, yeah, yeah. Start yeah. Of my game. my father wouldn't take me, so I had to ask my uncle to take me there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. let me think. I mean, Billy Robinson is like the one good. that kind of comes to mind just because it was such a, a classic match that like today, even if you look at it, it's like a fascinating match. 60 minute. Yep. A 60 minute match. But um, yeah, I think that that would be like the, the real classic, but I mean like the older one, you know, would be the Vader match, you know, as far as like when I was growing yeah, up and everything like that, one. just because at this point, like Inoki is, is past his prime. And he's not really having these great matches. And I remember this was in the days when you would, um, you know, I mean, we're so talking spoiled. about 90s, 96 Inoki Vader match at the Tokyo Dome. The Tokyo Dome, yeah. yeah. When Vader threw like a vicious looking the German suplex. German suplex right. and everybody thought Inoki was dead. <laughs> yeah. So the thing with that, with that was in the, you know, like now, you know, we would just watch it the next morning or some people would stay up and watch it live, right? You know, you do on, on New Japan World. Like then it's like the tapes, like they would come to the Japanese video store, right? And so they would come first to Los Angeles and then come to San Francisco afterwards, right? So I heard from like friends were calling me up, you know, like the, we got the Tokyo Giant. I, I already knew the result and everything. I don't know if it was, I probably talked to Fumi like right the day after the show. Go, hey, what happened? And, he told, you know, you, oh, it's a great match. It's a great match. It's like, okay, I, I guess I got to see. It. My friends then in Los Angeles that said, saw it first, going, you're not going to believe how great this Inoki Vader match is. And it's like, okay, whatever, you know. And then, you know, it's like, so it's like I had to wait two more days for it to come to our video store. And then I saw it, but it was like, that really made an impact on me because, you know, again, Inoki's, you know, 50, 55, maybe you know, 53, you know, he's 50, 52, 52, 53, whatever. And at that point, you know, it's like you expect him in shorter matches and things like that. And he went in there and they had a long match and it was, and Vader's a rough guy to work with. Yes. And, and, and I mean, it was, it was a super match. And then Inoki won, which at that point we were kind of thinking, you know, Inoki's not going to beat Vader at this stage, but it was probably the right thing at the time, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Well, I, the be- right before the finish, Inoki actually body slammed Vader, though. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. A classic uh, match for sure, and like you said, w- one of the all-time greats, beyond all-time greats. And it's awesome talking to you guys about this. We uh, we have to do this again for another subject at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, guys. Well, it's late for you, Fumi. It's early for you, Dave. I appreciate it. All I'm right, right in the thank middle. you very so, much for inviting me <laughs> over. Chris. I had a great time. Thanks, thank guys. you. Yeah, I did. I did too. Thank you. Bye. 